0: Ladies, gentlemen and others, get ready for the ultimate mashup of internet culture, journalism with integrity and mental health. Today on the pod, we've got someone who started out as an advertisement journalist, went on to write about technology and then became one of the main journalists to report on the creator economy in India. She's had the centre stage for many reasons in this space, the main one being her unending effort to truly uncover what goes on behind the scenes on social media. We have Shefali Bhatt here today, a journalist who's taking the internet by storm one column at a time.
1: Hi Shefali, welcome to my pod. I cannot beat this by somebody else but I'll
0: try. (laughs) How are you doing today? Not too bad. Uh, for context, for everybody who's listening, Shifali has stayed up till only two hours ago from all night to write a column of hers. And uh, Shifali, you've made it here. You are wide awake, full of energy. I can see it. So yes, thank you. Thanks for- to yours. <laughs> Thanks to the pep talk that we had before this. <laughs> I got to know Shifali a few years ago when she reached out. I think you reached out to my husband, Gerard, first because you found out he was married to an influencer. Because you used to write about advertisement and take quotes from him and then you moved to tech and then the creator. And then I never spoke to him and I've only spoken to you after that. (laughs) (laughs) But what made you shift from, you know, um, what is considered more serious? Yeah. uh, More serious in industry, for lack of any other way of putting it. Tech and advertising and then you move to the creator world. How does that happen? You know, when I got into writing about
1: advertising, that is what I really wanted to do. I remember uh, when we were younger, my cousin would tell me, uh, you know, she would be fascinated by the world of advertising and, uh, you know, how creative this whole world is. And uh, I remember reading a magazine which was kind of dissecting, uh, uh, you know, very forensically sort of like, uh, you know, uh, breaking down the different parts of advertising. And I said, look, this is interesting. I want to do this. So when I got into journalism, which was focused on advertising and marketing, it's because I really wanted to do that. And uh, I did that for, I think, uh, a good five to seven years of my young adult life. And I think I reached a point where uh, I felt like I wanted to explore different worlds, that I had explored almost everything there was to explore here. I'd written about so many issues. None of those issues were getting any better. And um, people tell me that, you know, those issues still exist. So beyond a point, you just feel like what is the value that you're adding for the reader, right? And therefore, I felt like it was time to branch out. So I think sometime around uh, end of 2017, early 2018 is when I moved into writing about, I think I started with pop culture, but it was really anything and everything that kind of fascinated me. I remember one of the first few stories I wrote was about stevia farming in India and how at that time, this was early 2018, we would, uh, a lot of us had friends who would import, uh, you know, who would basically go abroad and get stevia bags at the time. And not many people knew that there were farmers in our country who were growing stevia here, which is like very economically available. And uh, so that was one of the first stories that I had done when I moved out of advertising. So uh, I think it was just exhilarating being able to kind of just get into a different world. You know, every week I used to write for um, the Sunday edition of Economic Times back then. And uh, it would give me, you know, this canvas of like, you know, uh, two pages, which are 1600 words. So you'd Really like sort of dive deep into a different world uh, uh, every week. And um, I'm just really grateful for um, for everything that I got to do during that time. And then I think it so happened that a lot of my stories would have internet at the heart of them. So they were and I think that's also a sign of changing times right? that a lot of pop culture started to morph into internet culture. Because it would stem from the internet, uh, you know, a lot of the things that were happening in pop culture back then. And uh, yeah, so I think it was very organic. Like there would be other people who would, uh, like I remember I'd met somebody at the airport once and they said, oh, so it's just pop culture that you write about or is it some something else like specifically do you look at media and entertainment? And that's when I realized, oh, okay, I'm writing about pop culture. And then there was someone um, internally who had said, I think you should mention in your uh, Twitter bio that you write on internet culture. Because in the US, journalists were getting very um, uh, specific about their beats and internet culture was just forming up as a beat at the time. Um, And so I think uh, uh, a well-wisher internally had said, I think you should mention that in your bio to have a very clear idea for others as to what it is that you're writing about. I was literally trying to chronicle how the internet is changing our lives and our behaviors without us even realizing that i was not able to kind of bifurcate that between hard stories and soft stories but i guess yes the world does see it as you know you doing softer stories i genuinely feel that it really helps you understand and build better businesses if you understand how the internet is changing the way we live true. because that eventually makes technology companies bring about changes to themselves right which they are doing right now and some miserably failing at it (laughs) when I just started uh, writing about uh, the creator economy I think this was in 2017 you were still an OG like at that point also you were an established uh, creator and some of the you know the this lot was just coming in people who have now gotten to acting um, some of them who are continuously still roasting other people so that generation uh, you know was um, up and coming at that time and I'd met one of those creators um, in their then office they still have the same office and uh, she was telling me about uh, I'm only saying this because we are not supposed to take names, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. You feel like taking names. I won't stop you. But I'm not, Nikki. Taking- no, let's not. Let's not take any names. But like a
1: very prominent content creator uh, now who was uh, a rising uh, creator back then, she was telling me about what her routine is like. And uh, as someone who thought of herself as a workaholic, and, and I still am, I heard her routine and I was like, my God, I'd never be able to do something like that. And I'd love to do creative things. And I think that was the first time that I had realized uh, how tough this is when, uh, you know, you're constantly thinking. And this is also pre-TikTok, pre-reels, pre-short video days, pre-pandemic essentially, pre-pandemic days. People were actually putting out, most people were putting out very meaningful long-form content and content was long-form content basically at that point it was synonymous with long-form and therefore a lot of thinking and meaning and depth had to go into it and uh, you had some great narratives that came out uh, during that time you had content companies that were creating sketches you know that were talking about uh, you know the history of or sort of conditioning of sexual harassment that has uh, been um, in our colleges and how that has come out in Bollywood songs and important stuff like that, that was coming out by, you know, through that route of content. And that is no mean feat. You know, anybody who says that this is, uh, you know, this is a fun job, sure it is. And you should choose to do a job that you can enjoy. But it's not an easy job. It does take a lot of hard work, both mental, physical and analytical. It's also not easy money, which is another thing that I think has been constant across all of my stories where I've Time and again, kind of uh, you know reiterated that only one percent, like point 0.1% to one percent of the creator ecosystem, as I like to call it, <laughs> and that's a nice one, <laughs> makes the kind of money that you can think of as aspirational. Most people keep trying for years and they don't get anywhere, and some of them leave their uh, uh, you know stable monthly uh, you know a salary jobs for this because they they get sort of. A, enamored by the the glory aspect of it what I think they miss out is the grit aspect of it which is what I think uh, you know throughout the last few years I've been trying to kind of bring out through the stories of uh, you know people talking about shelf life and how that is a concern people talking about uh, numbers and how that is a concern people talking about uh, the the ever reducing uh, avenues that you have to make money because you can't always uh, depend on advertising because that will you know that's also like if the economy goes down advertising is the first uh, expenditure that uh, companies are going to slash so you know you can't entirely depend on that there are just so many aspects to the creator economy business that are actually hard news stuff so again it also combines with your um, previous question which is that i don't think this is a soft beat because being a creator is at this point considered to be one of the most lucrative uh, jobs, uh, not just in India but uh, around the world. And uh, most of these people who are vying to be creators uh, have very little clue on on the grit part of of you know what it takes to actually become a reasonably successful creator. Three to four years into your creator
0: lifespan. Do you feel somewhere, and I'm asking you this because obviously I've analyzed the hell out of the way the industry has evolved over the last decade. Do you feel somewhere being a creator now is like, hum jab bolte oh, actor hai. now kids. Because like I was talking to my nephew the other day and one of his friends was around and he was like, oh, I want to grow up and be a gaming YouTuber. And I was like, shit. I mean, I've been doing this for 11 years and even I didn't realize that these kids are 10 years old and aspiring to be in the same industry as me and not just in the same industry as me. A very specific niche, he wants to be a gaming YouTuber. And I shouldn't be surprised, but I really truly was. And I feel like everything you're saying kind of reminds me of how when we were growing up and I studied media as well and I had friends who were aspiring actors and how they would take all of their initial earnings And pump it into having a good management or pump it into having a good PR. Isn't that the way that the creators are going now? Because it's kind of become a space where they have a very set structure that they are now carving their own paths with. You know, I, I can understand people looking at
1: their follower number and seeing that, you know, oh, my God, 100 million people follow me. I mean, 100k people follow me. Yep. Or, <laughs> but I got 1 million views on this. And, you know, it does make you feel, uh, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, it does make them feel good. I think what we don't realize is that that's a very, A, that's very short-lived. Because uh, people these days are consuming content. More and more people care less and less about creators or they care uh, about fewer and fewer creators because there are just so many of them. I feel that fame itself has become very diluted where uh, everybody from your um, actors to singers to to TV actors, to big boss participants to uh, to you know creators across different genres, so many of them are famous and yet, You know, they're famous in a very, uh, you know, sort of in a particular circle. And sometimes it's a very self-perpetuating circle, Uh, which was not again, which was not the case with Bollywood, uh, you know, in the years that we were growing up and we were enamored by Bollywood, which is why this fame feels very short lived to me. And I think that is why these people would be more anxious about how will I be able to sustain that? you know, in beauty, for instance, what I've noticed off late, uh, you know, when I have started kind of like, you know, uh, consuming some of this content is the amount of science that gets into it. Where, you know, you have words like retinol, they have become part of pop culture. That has happened because of the internet. And I find that fascinating. Or, or you know, like, uh, this is something that I always talk about. Gainax coming on on uh, Instagram and talking about our, uh, you know, gynac health. I think those are game-changing things and these are people who are actually adding value and they're enjoying that process and then when they feel tired of the other parts, they take a break. But if the other parts are, which is the fame and the glory, if that is what drives you, then you will not be able to sustain for a very long time because those are the fickle things, You know, they keep, they're very transitory and they will keep going to the next person because the advertiser is also looking for a fresh face every time, that's the reality and you know, a lot of there, there's a lot of ageism there as well, which, you know, again, uh, we've heard so many stories about. So I really sincerely hope that as aspiring creators know that domain expertise and a penchant for, you know, kind of like learning and growing in that domain is the first thing that, you know, that they want to kind of look at. Everything else is secondary.
0: I love that you touched upon ageism because I was on a call with my management two weeks ago and I happened to ask, hey, I used to work with you know, XYZ beauty brand quite a bit. And I'm seeing that they're doing work. And, you know, how come they haven't reached out? Because I've been part of so many of their campaigns. And I realized when I saw this other post that I actually haven't done any sponsored work with them in the last maybe two years. Well, wow. and uh, they said, I mean, obviously, my management knows that I'm somebody that prefers a straight shooting answer. I don't like, you know, being beaten around the bush. Yeah. Um, I can take it. And I'm also like that when I'm responding to people. So they were like, oh, so they have kind of changed the way they're working. They're only going to be working with influencers under 30 now. And I'm 31. So I was like, oh, okay, that's a new one. Because the campaigns clearly say otherwise. But okay. I mean, how do you respond to something like that? So that's why when you said ageism, I mean, you're listening to me. If you're you're listening to the pod and not watching this little segment on shorts or Instagram that I'm going to be putting out tidbits of, I rolled my eyes because I was like, Yeah, I literally just got this two weeks ago. So there you go. Wow, It does happen. And uh, shelf life is a very real problem. And I remember my father saying this to me many years ago. He was like, what is this? You do videos on YouTube and Instagram. And then gradually, of course, uh, he was never opposed to it. But, you know, they didn't understand it. It's a different generation altogether. And I remember that he at one point of time said, "Okay, but what's the shelf life? Because in his head, again, he was comparing it with the way female actors are you know kind of perceived when it comes to Bollywood for example and he was like how long can you do this and I remember saying this to him at that time and this is probably a little bit before I got married I got married in 2017 I said oh um, I don't think that would be a problem because as a blogger my followers are growing with me yeah. so the connection stays and I've been very I don't know lucky I'm very grateful that my you know my main demographic is around my age and i've seen it move up with me over the last 11 years so i was like oh no like so when this particular conversation happened two weeks ago my dad's words rang in my ears and i was like was he right all along was i living in a bubble thinking that it wouldn't transcend to the influencer space because i'm here saying keep it real keep it real for 11 years and uh, to be told that a brand that i actually do organically purchase use feature is, you know, that did break my heart a little bit, if I'm being perfectly honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is, it's it's sad. And also, it's just so silly. Because like you just said, that you actually use that brand. um You know, you're a consumer. <laughs> it's also because a lot of marketers from what I gather from the other side of the industry, a lot of marketers operate on FOMO. And while when you speak to them, they talk about, oh, you know, uh, we should do this differently. And You know, I don't understand why brand managers cannot look at, you know, working with some influencers in the long term and look at like, you know, basically shaping them up as brand advocates. And uh, which is what you would have been a perfect fit for, right? Because you've been using that product uh, uh, unprovoked. (laughs) Institutions around the world at this point, not just in India, do not understand the toll um, the Internet's reporting takes on reporters especially women reporters because uh, we are the ones who look at our uh, DMs right a lot of the things that we get are not things that other people are privy to and even if they are they don't realize how dehumanizing some of these things can be like uh, you know I've got like some of the most vile um, uh, rape threats and and death threats um, uh, after writing uh, you know some pieces that were critical and i think what people do not realize is that in situations like these you know these are not like youtubers have gone into cat fights right like they they've actually i shouldn't say cat fights they've been youtuber wars in the past uh, you know they've they keep on happening every now and then what happens eventually is that the fans start fighting amongst each other and then it becomes a fan war you know when Somebody is not able to take a criticism in a healthy manner and you know they sort of like mobilize their fandom against you. It becomes a hate mob. And then that hate mob is not coming at another YouTuber, somebody with uh, as large a fandom, if not larger. It's coming at a journalist. Not we don't get power play. It's not even power play. We don't have the uh, you know the financial or the social capital to to combat that and uh, it it does like it's very like i said right it's very dehumanizing because uh, after a point you just you you realize that there are millions of people who uh, cannot see reason and you don't have the bandwidth to actually show them reason you cannot explain to them that your job is to ask tough questions your job is to to make people ask people in power, ask tough questions, our job literally like the tagline of this job is speak truth to power, you know, speak up for to- those told to shut up. And, you know, ask the questions that nobody wants uh, asked. I mean, you know, that's uh, basically, you know, there's another like a lot of these sort of uh, uh, phrases that we kind of uh, throw um, very casually, but they they hold a lot of meaning. Journalism is what somebody does not want, you know, it's a story that somebody doesn't want written about, everything else is PR. And when you write a story that somebody doesn't want written about, there are consequences. The sad part here is that, uh, you, you know, the environment around us is not conducive at this point to protect a journalist from the consequences on the internet. Because people think that someone saying something to you on the internet will not have real life implications. And they cannot be farthest from the truth because uh, i have had to actually sit in a police station and uh, you know file uh, firs and have had to explain a lot of context uh, you know to to the people there who again are not privy to this world which again makes you realize how little we understand of uh, you, you know what the internet and its reporting uh, entails and you know i really worry about this trend of people being um, opposed to any sort of criticism or not being questioned on anything. Because then then where does this end? You know, you, you will just, if you stop questioning people in power who are, uh, you, you know, who basically have a hold over so many people at once, I am not sure what kind of a world we are heading into. I remember I had written this uh, piece about... Um, uh, you know, uh, how blue ticks are sort of bought and sold uh, across different uh, social media platforms. And I remember bringing it up with one of those platforms uh, in a conversation, uh, you know, which was like an off the record conversation. But how has your worldview changed post, you know, so many people became creators? Like earlier, there were very few of you. I mean, especially when you started, there were hardly like people you could count on your finger. Mandari Agarwal. Yeah. Literally the only blogger I knew of when I started. India Vangit, Yeah. And from then to now, how has your basically worldview of this industry changed? Like, have there been times when you have felt like culture shock?
0: No, you know, the thing is, I think I've gone through many phases. At the beginning, I was like, oh my God, yes, so many more people. This is amazing because now this will probably become a legit career, which is exactly the direction it headed in. Then I went through this phase where virality became a new thing, right? And I was like, oh, my God, I'm still sitting on 30,000 followers. And here's somebody who just started and they're at 50 and they're at 100 and they're at 200. And numbers was very new as a metric to be like, oh, my God, she's the new, you know, it creator. So I definitely, I'll say very honestly, went through a phase when I was like, oh, my God, is my time over? You know, is that was that the cycle that I'm done? Um, Then I went through a phase of realizing, oh, wait. There's a lot of people that can just coexist and much like the news that's trending or again, I equate a lot of my metaphors about the industry with, you know, the movies, I guess, because that was the mainstream entertainment thing to look at growing up. Um, everyone has their peak and maybe everyone just goes up in turns, you know, it's what's currently relevant, who is currently relevant. And um, I realized that you don't need to peak just once here. You can come back to some something Relevant when there's something new happening in your life. And then I came to a place of realizing that, okay, now there's too many people, and it did definitely 100% make me insecure at one point. And I feel like now I'm in the space where I feel like, okay, it is a legit industry. We're contributing, we're a creator economy by ourselves. We're contributing to the economy in a big way. We've been recognized. It is now, um, there's structured things. There's a little bit more respect towards the industry now than we got earlier. And I'm happy that more people are coming. My fear today is that I don't want the, I consider myself to be a legit creator only because I, and I go back and forth on this. So I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm a snobby OG creator. But to me, content will always be like something with genuine takeaway value. I know entertainment content is really big right now. The sketches, the comedy, the fun dances. But for whatever reason, I haven't been able to relate to that. I, for In my head, those are filler posts. You know, when I don't have something to post, I'll do something like that and post it. But I do feel like it has gone, the industry today is leaps and bounds ahead of where I also thought it could be 10 years in. Because when I started, it was a hobby. I was still in college when I started. Wow. I did 14 internships through my, uh, you know, through my bachelor's degree and I started my blog when I was in my last year of studying bachelor's of mass media. I had a major in advertising and um, I realized that, OK, this is snowballed into a career and now I have to make of this what I can. So I think that creators today have an advantage when they start out because they have this set mold almost that they can adopt and then obviously expand on and make on make their own but I also think there's a disadvantage because it is a much more competitive space today you get the numbers probably more easily today but you don't get the credibility as easily today so I think that I've realized that when you look at my Instagram and when you look at probably somebody else especially because so many creators came up in the pandemic right for example and went into millions even. Um, I realize that I may not have those millions, but it doesn't make me sad. It actually makes me feel like you know what? it's great for the industry, but I hope that this generation of newer creators can earn their legitimacy and credibility as well, because credibility is something nobody can take away from you. You know what I mean? So I hold that very dear to my heart. um we were I was with a few YouTuber friends recently, and in a games we were doing a collab video and in a game, one of them said to me, that uh, the chip said that she should give me advice and um, she gave me a very she gave me very genuine advice and she said you need to adapt more and it left me thinking because it's true I do not adapt as quickly I'm a little bit of an old school creator in that sense because I still love my long form copy I'll still write the detailed captions yeah it's not trending but it's what makes me happy you know what I mean so I still think of content like that I want people to know who i am and what i stand for i'll do the fun stuff but like i've said a hundred times before i'll put up a dance post because i want to put up a dance post and not because something is trending and i'm like oh man no i just have to do this because you know the word that haunts us all algorithm um i don't want to keep up with the algorithm maybe it's a disadvantage obviously as a creator that i'm not paying attention to that side anymore as i used to but for my sanity for my mental health this is so much better.
1: How's the friend circle, the creator friend circle, changed over the last decade for you?
0: Um, I feel like I feel like it's changed multiple times. From the point of view that uh, at the beginning there was very few of us, so all of us were of course very close friends. I think everyone at some point has gone through the phase of okay, little bit competitive, and I feel like where everyone unanimously now is that it's just become more of a community. Like I have friends I can call and say uh you know i'm struggling with this can you help me like i have a set of friends in the creative space i can call and say you know what i'm at a creative block just talk to me like what are you doing what are you up to um and i mean obviously they can do the same with me i have a few friends i'm really good at like the contracts and the legalities and i'm very i'm a very admin person as well um so i have friends who will be like listen you know they put this in my contract can you read through my contract once so I'll read through the contract. And um, so I feel like it's now at this point of time, it's a very community vibe. I wouldn't say it extends too far that there's a lot of people on this list that, you know, I have that kind of 4am rapport with, if you should call it that. But the ones that, you know, are there really, truly are there. And I feel like it's taken time to come to that point even. Yeah. Do you think the younger generation
1: of creators, uh, you know, within the the beauty and fashion category are also like that, like, you know, the community vibe?
0: I do. Yeah, cool. I really do. Because I see, I mean, they've also clearly also started off at a time when collaborations are being promoted more than ever by the platforms through tech, through the options that you get on the apps. Now, whether it's Instagram, whether it's YouTube, yeah. um, I mean, we don't have TikTok here in India, so I don't know if that's, you know, a feature on TikTok. But um, because they started out at a time when they realized that this is something how you can cross benefit, you know. Yeah, I think think for sure, maybe more than us even. Because right at a nascent stage of their career, they're seeing that, you know, as an advantage, as a good thing, as a community feeling. We have kind of learned that over time. But for them, it's like, so why not? I think it's awesome. That's lovely.
1: Yeah. How is it with... you know the the non creative friends like people in your life in your inner circle who are not a part of this world like are there any quirks about you that they point out saying that why do you do this
0: yeah yeah for sure like I feel like I have a set of friends that completely gets my needs or gets that okay she is gonna pull the camera out she is gonna vlog and they're like no, no no we don't mind and then I mean not to say that I've had struggles. Like the biggest struggle I can immediately think of is I remember when I went through this little bit of a partying phase um a few years ago where my friends would be like, no, stay till like 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. And I'm like, guys, I have to catch the morning, you know, sunrise. I need the light. We all have work in the morning too. And I'd be like, yeah, but you can go to work looking like crap. I have to wake up an hour and a half before do my glam and, and and like smile and look happy in my videos. And they wouldn't get it. They would think I'm like pulling excuses not to party and I'm like you could get up and wear pajamas and go to work I do not have that it sounds like a first world problem I know but it's part of my job so I have to do it the right way so yeah I mean there are people who understand um, the intricacies of how the industry works and some who don't get it but in my life I think I'm today closer to those that really do get it obviously because it is not one of those jobs that is uh, that ends at a certain time, right? Like when I'm traveling, and even if I'm traveling with friends, they know I'm going to be tempted to vlog it and make content out of it, because that's just the way my brain is now programmed. So some of them are like, okay, I don't want to be in the pictures that will go to Instagram, and I fully respect that. But um, the fact that I'm doing it or that I will need the content everyone in my closest circle gets. It's part of my life now. It's one of those uh, jobs. You know, where your life and your job is so deeply intertwined. Oh yeah, tell me about it.
1: <laughs> do you ever feel like switching off? Though I don't know how one does that, but like a lot of people who actually are able to have that demarcation, they tell you this right—that this is where your job ends and this is where your personal life begins.
0: So the funny thing is, if I do feel like switching off, which every once in a while I might, in my head it has to be a day when I'm home because if I'm traveling or if I'm out. I know that I will want it in my content. I would be lying if I said that, oh, have I ever wanted to switch off on a holiday? Yes, I have. But I also know that when I go back home, I will regret having switched off and not filming those moments that make for great content. So I try to pick in, you know, kind of put those pieces of the puzzle in a way that it works for me. Little, little things like, for example, instead of vlogging to cam, I'll just leave it on a time lapse, So I still get some visuals in, but I'm still getting to do what I want to do and have the conversations I want to have. So I try to find that balance in, but I do still, till date, feel guilty if I fully switch off while I'm in a situation that could be potential content. I do. Drum rolls, please. So it's time for our next segment, Associate This. A fast-paced word association game where my guests get no more than 10 seconds to respond. So get ready, get set, associate. Okay, so I have this one segment on the pod where I play word association with my guests. And in typical Karan Johar style, it's essentially rap and fire. It's great. I, I'm never going to get to copy with Kara that time. So here I have my Never say never, you'd Never say never. <laughs> okay, I'm scared now. I don't know why, but I'm scared. <laughs> Blue tick. Uh, rigged. Instagram. Memes. Pollywood. Sharuk. Elon Musk. Edgelord. Attention span. Limited. Ghosting. Sad. Algorithm. Interesting.
1: Fame. Transient. Anam. Lovely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, that was fast when you, you make it to the Coffee with Current show also I think <laughs> you'll be fine you'll survive yeah I'm sure Mr. Fali thank you so much for coming over talking to me on the pod today I feel like you and I always have some really interesting conversations today's uh, conversation has easily been the barp of all conversations for me so thank you for this I really appreciate it and uh, I can't wait to see more of your columns more of your articles you know I always look forward to reading them your newsletters are amazing so thank you Thank you, thank you so much for coming on Thank you so much for
1: having me I had a lot of fun, I'm glad